This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneur network.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business experts, industry disruptors, game changers, and thought leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to build a successful business and become known as an influential voice in your industry? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. This is episode 254, brought to you by Podcasting With Purpose, helping you to stand out, be heard, and become an influential voice in your industry with a podcast. My name's Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Now, my guest today says your brain is either a puppet master or a puppy, and it's up to you to decide which one it is going to be. I wonder which one it is. Now, joining me on today's show is Uli Applebaum. Uli has vast experience in marketing and brand strategy and his international experience is coming up with fresh perspectives to position a brand or a product or a company as well as in innovation well that has helped companies large and small go from zero to success without breaking the bank now Uli's unique way of approaching business problems and helping businesses strategize has developed into a technique that he calls positioning roulette and on today's show he is going to share learn how to be more creative in solving business problems but learning how to overcome our own mental biases he's also going to talk about ways of looking at marketing challenges or business problems from a multitude of perspectives as well as understand that we're all creative we've just become too comfortable to unleash our creative power so welcome to the show Thanks so much for having me. Uh, very excited to be on your show. Thank you. Uh, look, it's, it's, I'm excited to talk about this uh, this particular topic because I think, you know, as business owners, we can often be so close to our business or the issue or the challenge that we're faced that we just can't see our way through. We get stuck and we end up walking away. And when we use some of the techniques and, and, and uh, strategies that you're going to be talking about today, we can come up with innovations and ways to handle those challenges that really can catapult our business forward. But before we dive into that, Uli, just share with us, how did you get into the business that you're now in? Was it something that uh, was a, a gradual process or has this been an area that you've always been passionate about? Um, it was a coincidence, uh, Anne-Marie. I, I started, um, I went to business school in Europe many, many years ago. And uh, like all of my uh, uh, co-students, I was, you know, destined to either go into management consulting or finance. Mm -hmm. That was sort of like the track uh, 20 plus years ago. And by coincidence, I discovered uh, two books. One was uh, Ogilvy on Advertising, uh, written by David Ogilvy, the founder of uh, Ogilvy, uh, one of the global advertising networks. And the other one was um, Positioning the Battle for Your Mind by Trout and Reese, mm -hmm. uh, which started a whole sort of like, you know, uh, new revolution.
revolution in the world of marketing. And I was just fascinated by, you know, it, it triggered my interest in people, in how they think, you know, how they behave, what makes them do the w things the way they do them. And so uh, mid, mid studies, I sort of like changed my master thesis and uh, veered into communication and advertising. And uh, because I discovered in advertising, that's sort of like the field where um, I could most deal with this sort of like subject. Mm. And uh, so uh, from finance or management consulting, I decided to move into advertising and then more specifically into account strategy, which is strategic planning in advertising. And I've been doing that for the last 20 plus years. So it was a coincidence, but I uh, fell in love with the, the subject. And it's such a rich and interesting subject that even after 20 years, I'm still excited about That's it. That's interesting. So. And I would imagine that over the 20 years, you've seen some significant changes an evolution in advertising and, and how that's now done. If you look back, what would you say has been some of the biggest changes that you've seen and how businesses now go about advertising and really about getting their message out there? There are so many changes, Anne-Marie. Is one is the sheer explosion of media channels. Um, mm and compile that with the with the birth and the explosion of social media, which is now more and more and more seen as another media channel, basically. Yeah. So that is uh, a significant change. Um, what comes with that is the competition to stand out um, in the marketplace is, is getting significantly bigger because mm -hmm. nowadays you're not only competing with other brands operating in your category, but you're competing with a teenager that produces a video on YouTube mm -hmm. um, and you're competing for attention and you're competing for sort of like positive equity because if someone speaks negatively about your brand and this goes viral, you know, you can spend millions and millions of dollars to try to correct that, but it's going to be very, very hard. So those are like two or three mm. big changes. And the third one, which is the one I deplore a little bit, which is a, a shift from strategic thinking towards tactics and execution. Mm. So we don't spend the time anymore to, to ask the basic strategic questions. And we try to go very much into, you know, tactics. What's, what's my Instagram uh, campaign? Well, yes. I'm not quite sure because I don't know what your strategy is and how Instagram fits into your overall strategy. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the problems here was that the strategic process used to take very long. So when I started my career, it was not unusual to spend six to 12 months mm -hmm. develop a brand strategy for a new product launch. Now, when you do that today, it's like, you know, you have gone through three cycles in the market and you can start all over again. So I think the strategic process has failed to adjust and adapt in terms of speed mm. without compromising quality. And that's one of the reasons I came up also with this uh, methodology you mentioned earlier, positioning roulette, um, because that's what it's meant to do is give you the same quality of thinking without with the speed that you need today without compromising on the on the on the depth and the substance of what you're trying to come up with. Yeah, you are speaking my language because I see a lot of business owners who've got expertise. I, we work with a lot of service-based business professionals. So they're selling their knowledge. 
their you know the depth and wealth of their expertise and they're just going tactic after tactic after tactic yeah. and they're spreading their message way too thin they're seen as uh, not masters of of one but jack of all trades and now because you said that and we know there's so much noise we need to be clear we need to be strategic and we need to be um, yeah, quick and being able to, 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 to be able to shift and change. Now, the benefit of that, like that could be seen as an issue, but the benefit of that for our smaller businesses, we don't have large committees or a process that we need to go through that a lot of larger corporations do. They can't just shift and change when they see a, you know, um, a strategy that's going to be better for them or a tactic. And, and we have that benefit. So let's dive in. It's how, very true. Yeah. How can we be more creative in solving business problems and learning how to overcome our mental biases? Because a lot of times it's what we think that's going to stop us from getting out there and really doing what we need to do. That's exactly right. And and that's why I described the the brain as either a puppet master or a puppy, because at the core, it is a puppet master, right? And as we grow, as we gain experiences, as we, you know, have successes and failure in life, and it's true for business, but it's true for everything. We sort of like adjust our behaviors and our brain adjusts the way we think about um, issues, you know, uh, their basic confirmation, like basic biases like the confirmation bias you know we only see the information or seek the opinion that sort of like confirm our own beliefs and our own values um, and the role of the brain is to keep us safe and comfortable mm. right which is the complete opposite to innovation which is think thought that you haven't thought before and come up with solution or ideas that maybe make you as an individual or you as an organization uncomfortable at first mm -hmm. until you wrap your head around. And I think the first step, therefore, is to one, understand that we have these biases and there are many of them, right? So, you know, we often believe that, you know, I know that in the planning or uh, at strategy communities, everyone thinks they are great strategists, mm -hmm. you know. And that's what's called the Lake uh, Wobegon effect in psychology, which is this idea of like, we think we are a bit better than the average of the population. Mm -hmm. And that is true for, you know, parallel parking, uh, you know, uh, partner in a relationship, et cetera, et cetera. But the interesting thing is then when you look at the bell curve, which is this other simple model, it basically shows that the majority of us are somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. and that a very small percentage of us are at the very edge of the curves. So um, we have this confidence in our strategic ability, which is one of the tricks our brain sort of like forces on us, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we think we're smart, we think we're doing the right thing, but it's basically our brain telling me, telling us, stay comfortable um, in the way you're thinking, in your values and the way you do stuff. And that is the biggest barrier, I think, to innovation. And understanding that and realizing that is the first step, is yeah. acknowledging that we are biased, uh, seriously biased, but we don't realize it because our brain wants us to feel good about ourselves, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it certainly does. So if we start to realize that, and I'm in grands, we need to be aware of something before we can even make 
changes and take the action steps that we need to do to be able to shift that. So when you're thinking then about innovation and doing things differently rather than same old, same old, and that, that's me to a T. I, I don't like doing things same old, same old. And in fact, if I do something, I'm always looking, what's a better way? What can we do that's different, you know? So, uh, but you know, some people don't like to, to, to try new things because, you know, the unknown is, is a little bit scary. So what are some things that they can start to do to start to embrace, if you will, to become a bit more innovative and to become more accepting of doing things a little bit differently than they're used to? Well, that's the great thing about the brain, and that's why I call it the, the schizophrenic side of the brain is the puppy, because it's actually, and that's what most people don't realize, it's actually very simple to distract the brain and get it to think differently once we realized how it's working. And the first thing from a business perspective, it's usually um, understanding and define how we solve a problem. So what is it we're trying to solve if we're trying to solve a business problem? And the interesting thing is, in the way we define the problem itself, it's we, we make a lot of assumptions. We build a lot of our, our own value system in there, which can be challenged successively and very simply so as you, to enable you to, to reframe your, your problem. So to give you a concrete example, if, if I take a very simple example is, you know, at a, in a grocery store, um, you know, there might be a problem because consumers complain that the wait at the cash register is too long. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the problem might be how do we reduce the time um, consume or customers spend at the cash register. Well, that assumes that people don't like to wait at the cash register or that there are ways to, there aren't ways to make the waiting at the cash register more interesting. Mm. So you can reframe that problem instead of saying, how do we make the line shorter into how do we make the waiting more entertaining? Mm -hmm. That is a different way to reframe your problem. And that leads to a completely different set of solutions yes. um, than the original question and your brain I'm sure as you go through this or listen to me your brain automatically comes up with natural solutions and that's what I mean is with a very simple change in the question you ask mm -hmm. your brain says oh cool I can do that let's go let's let's come up with a lot of ideas um, yes. so that's the very first step um, in in starting to think more innovatively yes um, Yes. You know, for, for those of us, and I'm sure you're, you're one who, uh, our brains, for me, my brain is always thinking of ideas. Someone puts a problem, I think, oh no, here it goes. And uh, we almost have to try and shut our brains off because it just thinks and thinks and thinks. But this doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. So it's exciting to know that there are things to do that you can do, techniques to really start that process going. What would you say, then if someone is 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 someone able to do that because i know this is a question that often is asked is someone able to do that on their own or would it be better for them to get someone else involved you know how they say two two heads or two heads are better than one is it something that perhaps they should look at doing with someone else in their business or a colleague and someone that they trust I think that's a very, very smart observation, and I, I hate to admit it. So I'm an expert. I'd like to think of myself as an expert, and I, you know, work with a lot of small and big companies. But the reality is, I suck at doing this analysis on my own business. Mm, um, true. And therefore, yes, it does make sense to, to you know, ask someone else uh, for perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe ask someone you wouldn't normally ask. 
um, you know, reach out to to people and and experts that are not obvious mm -hmm. or not within your immediate circle. Well, one of the big things I've learned is how important it is to reach out to other people and get perspective, but how easy it is to fall in a trap as well, right? Mm -hmm. So don't ask your friends and your loved ones mm -hmm. because they're going to show you support. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. And that's the worst thing that can happen to you. Oh, um, absolutely. What you need is you need someone who is, you know, critical, mm -hmm. who plays the devil advocate, who is challenging. And when he, someone, when he asks you a question, you're like, shoot, that's kind of annoying that he's asking this. But at the core, he's right. I need mm. to think differently about that aspect or I need to change my perspective yeah um, true. so yes absolutely reach out to other people yeah something else that I love to do and I think this can also be a great way to stimulate ideas is to go to events or read magazines or even television shows that are outside your industry and what's working really well or can we tweak that to adapt into our marketplace because sometimes similarly to what you just said and this is what I find if you're asking friends and colleagues they're going to reflect back on what they hope that you want to hear and going in in your own industry can often again that group think if that's the right term what they assume can be imparted to you and so I kind of don't want that I want to think outside of the box so if we're thinking about the positioning roulette and I'm just you know would love to hear more about that if we're looking <laughs> at a marketing challenge then with our business you know from a business problem um, looking at it from a multitude of pers perspectives can the positioning roulette help with us can we dive into that a little bit deeper just to give people a bit of an overview of what that involves Absolutely. And it, it can absolutely do that. And so positioning, it's basically um, based on an observation I had 20 plus years ago. I was working across various categories with various um, in, in various geographies. And I started to realize they're like patterns um, that help a brand be positioned successfully. And that could be something like, you know, a beer can be positioned on a country of origin uh, platform. Um, uh, that was the case for Foster's Australian mm. beer, you know, um, or it could be based on an ingredient or the positioning success could be the result of, you know, a creation story on the mm -hmm. reason that led the founder to create this brand. So once I realized there are these patterns, I started to basically look at hundreds and hundreds of case studies to, to identify, uh, to, uh, to answer the question, how many of these patterns can I identify? Mm. And, after over 1,200 case studies, and the process, Anne-Marie, took me like 10 plus years, so it didn't, didn't take imagine. a week or so, yes. um, you know, because there's life, there's work, there are children, you know, things. things <laughs> all the things that get in the way from all of the good <laughs> stuff, no, any kidding. <laughs> That's correct. And so I narrowed it down and decided there are like 26, I couldn't oh. find any more. And the point now is when you look, so all these 26 approaches are mm. proven successful strategies to position a brand and if you if you try to position yourself now whether it's yourself as a business uh, person or mm -hmm. as a company or as a brand as a new brand as a global brand doesn't really matter looking at these 26 different angles are basically 26 different ways to stimulate your brain to look for different answers. And again, mm. it comes back to my puppy example. The beauty is, so this methodology, the 26 cards, basically each card describes one of the territories, whether it's country of origin or mm. consumer ritual or this kind of thing, and, and includes a couple of questions 
that are meant to stimulate your thought process. And the cool thing is you can go through these 26 cards and literally look at your positioning challenge mm -hmm. from this perspective with an ease that is amazing yes. because you know right now we could speak about okay what are you what are what is the value you deliver to your customers mm -hmm. how is it emotional is there a psychological benefit and then in the next cut we can speak about you know how did you come about developing your service for example mm -hmm. and as i said so you have like these 26 approaches to do it and this comes back to what i said earlier is you can go extremely fast through these 26 territories mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. if you do that with a with a small group of people and that gives you the substance you need uh, without the time requirement that a traditional process would take. Yes. What I love about that is that it provides such a clear framework of um, positioning aspects or, or categories, if you will, that you know worked because you've studied so many, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of case studies. And I think so often what happens is we assume as businesses, exactly what you said, that bell curve, we may know of one or two different ways to position our company, yet we there could be a, a unique angle that's so unique about our product or service that we're completely forgetting to share in our story, but it becomes who we are. And I think that if I look back um, for, for me in, in my business is that you know I started podcasting in 2008 and the reason was I wasn't in the podcasting industry because back then no one really knew what a podcast was but I was in the career industry and that was the year if you remember early 2008 global financial crisis hit many yeah. people were without a job and and in the you know, unemployment queues and it was a just you know a desperate situation worldwide and a colleague and I who are in the career industry we were so uh, disillusioned at the doom and gloom being portrayed across all platforms of media, traditional media at that stage. And we said we needed to be the voice of hope and inspiration because a lot of the clients that we were dealing with, they were so despondent, it was impacting the way that they were doing their job search and showing up for an interview. And we knew that they had to change their approach. But traditional media was feeding into to that. And that's now become my story and I share it. And it is the reason awesome. why. And you know, when, and that's what you're saying. When we use the guidelines that you've got in the um, in that positioning roulette and the cards, we're able to find a story that fits in with how we want to express it. It's relative to us and it becomes just part of, of how we st share stories and how we relate to others. Because many people um, will in your storytelling or however you want to speak your brand message will be able to relate to it and what's what's related what's relatable is because it's emotional to them and i think that's, that's so important do you find then that a company who uses a number of those categories within their story the more that you use and i'm sure that you come to a a, a, a number if you will that too many is too many and, and overwhelming, but a couple of those particular categories fit in well. Is that how? How's that? How are you working with that? Well, I, I usually work work um, use a process um, with with my clients mm. where a, a big element of this process is a workshop we organize, and right. we use the cards or the content on the cards to come up with hypotheses, mm. right? But then. So you basically come up with a list of 40, 50 potential positioning platforms, mm -hmm. but you need to tie them back to the business objectives, right? Yes. So uh, it needs to be, so that's gonna filter out 
20 out of the 40, for mm, example. Mm. And then, but you can also see uh, you need to either align the constituents within an organization. So I do that also for like global companies, mm. you know, where you have like 15 representatives from 15 different um, countries with 15 different business objectives and wow. agendas. Good luck bringing them together. Wow. Well, this methodology allows you to do so. Um, or some companies want, you know, narrow down the positioning territories to two or three and then mm -hmm. decide to test them with consumers. Yes. But what I've learned is out of these sort of like 20 maybe potential territories that you come up with, you want to focus on the one that create the most energy in the room. Mm -hmm. And energy, you know, if, if someone looks at, you know, a, a brand and a brand positioning statement and says, oh, yeah, that, that feels right. You know, it's like, yep, we deliver superior product performance with better engineering to make people happy. Yep, that sounds good. Mm. You know that that's a no-go. Yeah. You know, you're looking for either uh, ideas where the brand team itself gets excited but nervous about it, yeah. or you look for ideas that sort of like divide the room, mm. you know, that create debate. Yes. No, we can't do that. Now, yes, we can do that. You know, those are the the territories that create a sort of like energy. And you know that that's the sweet spot you can focus on. Then there's a lot of work to like fine tune it, you know, yeah. sell it inside. So massage it until it becomes a final product. But those are the triggers you look for. I look for to yeah. say, okay, here's a potentially fantastic positioning territory how do we get the organization aligned behind it yeah so true and you know you must you must sit there too and, and have to be very mindful of your facial expressions because companies go we've got a great positioning statement what is it we provide <laughs> the best customer service ever and it's kind of like interesting i mean seriously if you have to say that people nowadays will be thinking that's just a give you know yeah. that's just a standard expectation yeah. and um so i mean i just uh, just i can imagine the process that you take people through and i think again half of the time it's because they don't have a, a framework that will allow them to come up with ideas and once you have a whole lot of ideas together you can then start to narrow them down what fits well with us what can we stand behind and i'd imagine too once you've got a clear idea for businesses who have a global representation, there may be various aspects of each culture that you need to tweak it slightly because one yeah. culture might be something different. But if you've got a clear message that is always consistent, the core of it, and then you just change it slightly depending on which country you're in, then you can have that consistent message across the globe. And having said that, I think for many of us who are service-based businesses who are able to work globally because of great tools such as Zoom that we're using today and and Skype and phone, we need to be aware of different cultures and have sensitivities yes. to that as part of how we're you know sharing our story and and what um, what we include in that. So very very important. We'll share with everyone how they can get in contact with you. I know I'm really ex I'm my 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 mind is going berserk at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> the creative. So um, <laughs> my company name is uh, first the trousers then the shoes, and yeah. I'm fine if you think about it as first the shorts then the flip flops, as long as you get the order right. I'm perfectly <laughs> yeah. comfortable with that and the best way through my website which is um, first-the-trousers.com I shortened the second part out of it yeah. um, or through LinkedIn at uh, Uli Applebaum that's the 
best places to find, you know, my thinking, uh, mm. get more information about the products I have and my methodology and uh, and the best way to get in touch with me as well. Yeah, fabulous. And of course, we'll put all of the links on the show notes, ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES254. Now, before we finish up, Uli, one of the last things that I want to cover is that we are all creative, but some people say, you know what, I'm not creative at all. We've just become comfortable with, with understanding that. What would you say, let's just list, just list them, the top three, just top three things that you get your clients to do to help start to stimulate the creative process. Are there three things that you'll often go um, to a workshop with, other than, of course, the cards that's part of your positioning roulette, but, um, or roulette, what, what would be three ways to stimulate our creative side? Well, the first one would be um, to not address the creativity skill issue. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you tell me you're not creative, there is no point in me to try to argue with you. Okay. What I can do, though, I can take you uh, through a process that will allow you to generate a whole bunch of ideas without you realizing this. So mm -hmm. to give you a very specific example, not too long ago, I did uh, a positioning workshop with German engineers. Um, now, German engineers are very uh, rational human beings, very mm -hmm. logical human beings. So doing a sort of like creative ideation session is really challenging. Mm -hmm. um, so at, in that specific case, you know, uh, instead of discussing this issue, um, because that's what they naturally wanted to do, I literally asked them for one of the exercises to just shut up. To, to brain write, so to stop talking mm -hmm. and to just answer the question I was asking them by writing down the, the their answers on a piece of papers and then 15 minutes later we shared it with the group. So it's, you know, the, ah. the, the, the a big insight around problem solving and creativity is yeah. to be able to solve a problem, you need to detach yourself from a yes. problem. You yes. know, that's why this divergent thinking and this lateral thinking and these associative techniques are so important because it, it takes your mind off what you're struggling with, allows you to your mind to flow, flow freely um, mm. with solution and then come back to original problem. So that's for me the, um, the first uh, thing yes. uh, I, I try to do. It, it's not a, uh, here's a simple step because it's contextual, but it's take the person person's focus away and basically distract them with another fun yes. challenge or problem yeah uh, that is number two the second thing is play right is mm. i mean i think it's fascinating lego the global you know toy company um, actually also has a division that is about uh, consulting so they do business uh, and creativity really? workshops wow. using their bricks as starting point and, you know, it, it, that's again, put a German engineer, give him like Lego uh, bricks and, you know, you take him away in a completely different thing because you also force him to mm. play with, you know, his hand and build something and, and stuff like that. And for me, the third thing is simply, and, and we tend to, to forget that more and more and actually social media, there's a lot of discussion about that in the US, how social media and the algorithm used in social media basically put you in an echo chamber mm. where you only connect and hear news and you know uh, about things that you like or you believe in mm -hmm. as opposed to 
things that are contrarian to how you believe and how you think. Mm. So it's a constant reinforcement of, you know, our values, our beliefs, mm. and all these kind of things. And I think that's the biggest threat, modern threat to creativity. So it's talk to people um, that you wouldn't talk to normally. Don't talk mm -hmm. to them about business. Talk to them about themselves, what mm -hmm. they, why they're doing what they're doing. So I always um, uh, harass, uh, in, uh, you know, the cab drivers or the Uber drivers I'm using because <laughs> I'm always asking them about, you know, their story. A lot of mm -hmm. them are immigrants like me, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I ask them about their family and where they're coming from and what they're doing and all these kind of things. So, and it takes you on a different journey, which, mm -hmm. you know, exposes you to a different set of values, a different mm -hmm. way of thinking, a different passion that is really refreshing in your own brain. Yes. And it, it sounds easy, but it's really very, you know, it's, it's easier for me to approach someone that is a marketing consulting at a marketing consulting conference than to, you know, for example, approach a woman of color in a coffee shop randomly. Yeah. But it's the latter that leads to the biggest inspiration and the, the, the biggest enlightenment. Yes. Um, so that is like the third thing I would suggest. Yeah, brilliant, doing. brilliant. Oh, it's difficult. Yeah, brilliant. And, you know, something that I noticed myself uh, with interviewing guests even, if I think back a couple of years ago, there were some shows and guests that were speaking about the same thing. And, and I knew kind of what they were, were sharing because I'd had so many guests talking about that. And my brain almost switched off. You know, it was really hard yeah. for me to engage in the conversation. Yet, uh, you know, if I'm learning new things like today, a whole new perspective, I think it's so exciting. And, you know, you can find beauty and stories in the most unique of things. You know, I, I love photography. And for me, with, with a photographer's eye, you learn to see things so differently. Yes. And I love, uh, my, my passion is uh, landscapes and um, right. wildlife. But one of the photography lessons I had was with someone who was in the heart of si the city of Melbourne. She loved bridges and lakes and all, you know, the rivers. And it's a concrete jungle. But as soon as you go there, you start to see the graffiti and the shape and yeah. the architecture. There's beauty everywhere. You just need to be open to, to looking at it. And it was a whole new perspective. And I've got now, you know, a new appreciation. Your brain loves that, you know, and often Absolutely. we are, yeah. we're dulling our brain and the, the environments in which we continue to, to put ourselves. And it's just a matter of, of changing. And your brain will, will uh, light up and fire up, if you will. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I read a long time ago um, uh, that this is actually the best form of meditation and meditation is good for your health. It's not, yeah. you know, just sit there and stare at the wall, but is focus all your attention on something completely different from what you usually do yes. and fully immerse yourself into that. Yes. And that is the best form of sort of like, you know, getting rid of all your stress, all yeah. your, your worries and stuff like that and coming back to a calm state. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. You, I'll share a story with you. My husband and I, a couple of years ago, we travelled with a caravan through the centre of Australia. It's really hot there. The very first evening that we just parked on the side of the road and a you know, little rest stop and beautiful sunset, landscape galore because the you know this in the middle of uh australia there's a lot of land a lot yeah. of land then anyway we didn't have watch tv and typically we do so we just <laughs> sat outside the caravan you know just looking and admiring and just sitting there and then i noticed there was a whole row of ants 
you know, carrying food. And I said, look at that. And we could, it was fascinating. Here we were, two adults sitting there <laughs> discussing what was going on with these ants. Now, how often would you do that? Not normally, but we could see what they were doing and how they were moving yep. in different groups and that they were carrying these massive big things and just that tiny, a whole new perspective. We just need to be quiet enough, it. still enough to, to, do, to appreciate that. I love it. And the other point you're making indirectly is you're telling the end story. You're not telling the, and then we sat in the camper and watched this great TV show. Oh. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Look, it has been an absolute delight uh, speaking with you today. I'm certainly going to reach out to you on LinkedIn, um, connect with you there, and, and I'm sure you've got great articles and, and other content. This is something I think every single business owner needs to embrace because if we're not able to share our story in a unique way and ch the marketplace changes so quickly, we need to have methods and processes and, and to get us continuously looking at how can we change our story, we continue to, to ensure that it is relevant. And if we're not doing things such as what you explained today, we will become irrelevant very, very quickly because Absolutely. there's so much noise and there's exciting things going on. So wouldn't we want to embrace all of that and continue to, to share our message? Because I know so many people who are listening and watching today, they have a passion and a, a stand for to share their message. And we want to make sure that people are hearing our message. So thanks once again for coming on the show. No, thanks so much for having me on your show, Anne-Marie. I really enjoyed talking to you. You've been listening to the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. Brought to you by PodcastingWithPurpose.com. Stand out. Be heard. Influence. Want to influence real change with your own podcast? Access our free podcast training, including our no-cost and low-cost tools and podcast production workflow checklist to get you started at www.PodcastingWithPurpose.com forward slash mini training. That's PodcastingWithPurpose.com forward slash mini training. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>